Welcome, everybody. We back. Another episode of the One Against the Grain podcast. I am your host, Brownie Blends, with my co-host, the wonderful Alicia J. Say what's up to the people. Hey, hey, hey. What's up? Good to be back. Good to be back again. (laughs) Great. Great to be back. Quick turnaround, too. He's getting getting, getting a lot faster now, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, listen, with a podcast, you have to be. Like, that's what we're here for. We're here to talk about hot topics. We're here to talk about things that are important. Obviously, we have a sports focus, which is is what we talk about the most. But when you do a podcast, you got to be here. You got to be here regularly. So I'm glad that we're back so soon. Exactly. I, sometimes I get through a, a normal day and I'm like, man, I need a, a thought might come to my mind or something might pop up on the radio. And I'm like, man, let's do it. Let's do a show today. I got to get that off my chest. You know what I mean? So, we need to so talk about it. <laughs> yeah, so sometimes when the week comes around, I can't wait till, you know, it's it's time to record. You know what I mean? But that's a good thing. That's, that at least we know we got a passion for it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. You it's have it's to have a passion for it. Exactly. Exactly. So how was your weekend? So you know far? what? I, I'm blaming you for my weekend. And let me tell you, I am hooked to the TV because I'm watching Snowfall. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, let's go. I, I literally, hey, I'm ashamed. I'm already on Season three, I am ashamed. I have just been sitting here like burning through episodes because it is really good. Like you uh, did not lie about that. You did not lie. Uh, are you? Ain't it? Ain't it the shit though? Listen, and I don't look. Spoiler alert! Anybody who's listening, like right now, I'm just at the point where he killed old girl's dad. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, like I don't yeah. want to say all of it. Like yeah. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want to ruin it for anybody. But I was just sitting there like, what? Like. With without question, he just said, "Well, got to do it," and did it, you, and it was you know, just crazy. You, it, it, you know, you you know my favorite my favorite part about it, not to cut you my favorite part about what I love so much about it is the authenticity of it. So, usually, typically, when you have uh, urban shows like that, they tend to exaggerate the uh, the cast a little bit. Remember how Menace Society had old dog in the in the uh, alleyway with cheeseburgers, holding up the cheeseburger. He just killed the dolphin. In real life, that ain't real. That you know, it, things happen, but that ain't real realistic. But in Snowfall, they show a guy going from being super game goofy and square, and slowly showed the the uh, the progression of him getting turned out into the game. How even if inside of him he didn't want to. But the streets just change him over time. I just think it's hella dope. Well, and not just him. Every single Everybody person, around. <laughs> every person is growing in their own right, I guess you would say, or growing in their own like lane that they're in in the story. And they're all evolving instead of just coming in as this person. Like, you see how they're getting there. Like, turning in, how they're turning getting... Turning into beasts, right? <laughs> yeah. In every facet. Like, whether it be yeah. um, with addiction to yeah. um actually like in the police field like he totally and completely changed as well so yes literally like it's <clears throat> it shows the evolution of everybody and that is what i think is so magical about the writing and and about the show and why i'm sitting here on my couch like 23 hours later watching the show exactly i can't for- yeah i can't get i can't get enough of it i mean it's it just yeah. it even it even shows the vulnerability uh, you know, like he didn't come in. He didn't start the show off like I'm I'm old dog or I'm big meat. He kind of he showed he, it, was, right. it was from a young kid, and slowly over time, as the days go by and things start to happen, you show him you show him just getting turned out, and that's what I love about it. You know what I mean? Just the authenticity of it. It feels real. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. shout out to uh. So who's who's the, who's the writer original? John Singleton. Rest in peace. Yeah, John rest Singleton. in peace. Behind that, I thought it was gonna fall off after he died. But it seems as if uh, it's getting better. It's well, actually, they, it's actually getting better. I think it was, you know, obviously a project that he was very, very passionate about, um, put mm-hmm. a lot of work into, and they want to continue it with his legacy. Mm-hmm. So they're doing mm-hmm. a great job of doing that. Yeah, I think they're doing great. Did you check any of the, um, the draft out this week? I checked a little bit of it out. NFL draft. What yeah, no, I, I definitely, I mean, it's a draft. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think what's so... <laughs> You know, you see, 
literally the start of people's careers, which is one thing that I think the draft is like magical about. But Mm -hmm. I think that something that people don't talk enough about is what goes into the draft, like the behind the scenes of it, like what happens before they even get to that place of being called. Right. Or, um, and then what happens after? Because the draft completely changes people, whether they are drafted or not. Like if you're in the process, that process definitely completely changes um, the lives of people. And I don't think enough is talked about in and around the draft. Um, first, first off, I always wonder, first off, before we get there, I always wonder, like, how did the draft become like a uh, like so big for spectators? You know what I mean? It, it, like, it's, we prove, it's proven year after year. You, there's no way to predict. Um, everybody's literally just watching the draft from a helicopter looking down, but everybody's expert. It's proven year after year. Nobody knows who's going to be great. I don't care how well. You could be a fifth rounder, turn out to be a Super Bowl MVP. You could be an undrafted free agent, turn out, turn out to be a Super Bowl MVP. Or you could be the guy with all the numbers. You could be the, com- the, the combine warrior benching uh 215 a thousand times but can't get off the line you know what i mean like so why are fans so captivated by what by draft day why do we still set mark that day on our we have nothing to do with the we psychologically we think we're in these really in war rooms and things like that it's like the the nfl is able to create this mind fuck for the rest of the world and just to keep our attention throughout the whole year it's it's crazy to me yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, nobody can say what is going to happen after the draft happens. Like, and everything that leads up to that, yeah, there's numbers, there's, you know, interviews that happen. There's so many like different pieces of intel that you get leading up to that. But at the end of the day, you are literally just selecting a person, like, and you don't know what's going to happen after that. But I think people live vicariously through the draft too. Like a lot of people, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's inspiring to see people drafted in some ways because, you know, you've watched them maybe in college or whatever the case may be, follow their career and see where they're going. And then like people love sports. Um, like you said, a lot of people love to comment on sports and they think that they know what they're talking about. And so when they see these things, like they are kind of living through it as well. So kind of, kind of like watching part somebody, of it. it's, kind, it's kind of like watching someone play the lottery, right? Instead of, it's, at 7-Eleven, somebody's standing in line watching them play the lottery. You're like, oh, my God. And you can, like, you can visualize his life change. So, but a lot of people don't understand everything that comes along with being an NFL player or being drafted into the NFL. So, they, you know, everybody assumes that on draft day, you become – you you, you mm. Uh, do is we're gonna bring in a draft expert today we got a special guest today we got benny fowler nfl super bowl champion um author uh entrepreneur uh public speaker <laughs> and he's gonna give us his insight uh, uh on on the draft in this conversation you want to weigh in on this early beans <clears throat> yeah i mean I, I got so much to say about the draft you know i'm not a big fan of the draft because you know i'm going into my eighth year in the nfl but and i i wasn't drafted i didn't have the pleasure of having my name called but like you said the draft you know you can see people's lives unfold but then you have somebody like myself you know the NFL averages two and a half years I'm going into my eighth year I didn't get my name called so I guess it is what you make it but I do love the the spectacle of the draft and how everybody has all these predictions and this guy is going to be a game changer and he's going to be a first ballot hall of famer and then they don't make it to the second contract so you know, I've seen it, you know, I've beat out first rounders. I beat out second rounders. You know, it really just depends on what you have in your heart and your mind. You see a guy like Tom Brady, I mean, six round pick, Antonio Brown, six round pick. You got all these, all these guys, Julian Edelman, seventh round pick. So it, it is, you know, the draft is what it is, but no one can predict anybody's success. I mean, look at Draymond, obviously somebody we know really well. Second round pick, that's yeah. almost like going undrafted in the NBA. Yeah. And 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 thank and once again thank you for joining us. Appreciate, appreciate you taking out your Sunday to, to sit in here with me. Oh, um, you are you know you my man, <laughs> my man. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. It's good to see you as well, man. Okay. We got yes. a few months, but we out we out there in, in Denver to uh, yes. kick back. You got you got a special day coming up. Yeah, celebrating my thirtieth. 30th birthday. You, you yeah, get you, you you get you getting up there, but but what I want to ask you was the going undrafted. <laughs> 
um, that was in 2014, right? Mm-hmm. Going undrafted, um, do you think that actually played in your favor? Because you said you're an eight-year vet. Um, you think that helped propel you? Um, did you go in with a chip on your shoulder? Did that, you know, because some people can actually benefit from, you know, not being minus the minus the uh, who wouldn't want the contract of a first round draft pick, you know, coming out the gate. That's a lot of guaranteed money. I think it's a little bit less now than it used to be, but it's still a lot of money, you know. Yeah. So but did that like light a fire on you and inspire you to keep going? Yeah, it's definitely something I will be carrying with me for as long as I'm playing and then just for the rest of my life, because how could you not see my talent and in, in, in my skills? I don't, you know, you don't just make it to the eighth, in, to your eighth year in the NFL without hard work, dedication and in the skill level and the yeah. progression to, to work. So how could that not be seen? But yeah. no, that's something I will always carry that chip on my shoulder, but yes, it was a benefit for me to go undrafted. You know, usually when you get into the later rounds, like rounds of six and especially seven, it's almost mm-hmm. better to go undrafted and actually pick your situation out. So Detroit gotcha. offered me the first, the most money coming out of the two, 2014 draft. They offered me the most mm-hmm. money, but I decided, you know, I grew up in Detroit, went to Michigan State. It was time for me to step outside of my comfort zone. So I told myself, if I could play with Peyton Manning, uh-huh. I could play anywhere in the NFL. So I decided to go to Denver. And you have guys like Demarius Thomas, Wes Welker, Emmanuel Sanders that were there. Those are the guys that took me under their wing you know, yeah, real, play, yeah. real players. And I really had a chance to learn for a year under their tutelage. And I yeah. learned. And if you could really gain the trust of Peyton and play with guys like that, you can carve a niche out in the NFL. And that's what I've been able to do. But that's how I've been able to separate myself. So, you know, me, me going and actually picking my situation and going to Denver was one of the best things for me than actually getting drafted in the seventh round. If I were to get drafted by a team and, and, you know, you don't get a chance to actually pick your situation. Well, what were some of the, like you said, picking your situation was a strength. Like what were some of the strengths going in? Like when you pick, like, give me some of the strengths that happen in doing that with your career. In terms of me picking Denver, what were the strengths that I saw in the situation? Just having, I guess, not being drafted, right. Um, would, would see from the outside people who don't really know about it, like that it was a disadvantage, but you're saying that have there was strength in being able to pick it. Like what were some of those strengths? The strengths were definitely, there was a, a veteran leadership group, people that I could really learn from. If I go to a situation where it's a younger team, we're all competing against each other. So I knew the hierarchy right when I went to Denver, you know, it was Demarius. He's the number one guy. He's, he's making the most money. And you have a guy like Wes Welker, veteran guy who was going into his 10th or 11th year at the time, who was an undrafted guy. And then you have Emmanuel Sanders who was in his fifth or sixth year. And those were the three guys. And then you had an opportunity to make the team. But I also looked at the team, Denver Broncos, Green Bay Packers. It's a couple other, it's like five or six teams that have a history of one undrafted player every year making their team. Mm. So doing that research is super important. If you're an undrafted guy, does the team you're going to have a history of playing undrafted players? New England, they have a history of playing undrafted players. Green Bay, Denver, there are certain teams that have a history of playing undrafted players so that you know there's no politics. They're actually so really all about winning. So who's doing this? Re- who's doing this research? You're already knowing this going in. Is there somebody you can? Is, is, is this a, is that an agent's job to figure that out? Is that something you're sitting with your parents and talking about? How do you how do you realize? Because so much in so much in the NFL is about, uh, like you said, it's about situation, being in the right situation. Um, uh, everybody's talented, right? Some more than others, mm-hmm. but everybody's talented once you get to that level. But it's sometimes the right fit and the right chemistry makes a difference. I recall when. Eli Manning came out. His dad had some uh, some they used some type of leverage. I forgot exactly how it went down, but I knew I know they knew exactly they weren't going to San Diego. And somehow mm-hmm. he ended up in, in New York and he ended up winning the Super Bowl there. So I wonder, like, since it's so situational, who's analyzing that? Or should you just be like, um, I wherever I can get a spot, I need to take it. I need to be, I need to be grateful. Um, you know what I mean? I just got drafted <clears throat> into the NFL or I'm undrafted, whatever. I'm here. Yeah, so it, it really just depends. If you're in an Eli Manning situation, you have you hold the cards. You know, it's just like Lawrence. You know, if the Jets had the first round, at the first pick, he could have easy and be like, you know what, I don't want to go to the Jets. And you can really like, hey, I'm not playing for you guys. So if you draft me, go ahead. You draft me, like Eli said, Charles, go ahead and draft me. 
but I'm not playing for you. And then they ended up trading him. They drafted him, but trading him and ended up mm-hmm. trading him to New York. So, it, you know, when you're in a situation like that, you kind of hold the cards for myself. I had, it was a little bit of my agent, but then also me, you know, let me, let me assess the situation. Do I know these names on this roster? Did they draft anybody in the draft um, that I would have to be competing against? And that's, you know, things that you have to do as a player, but also at, at your agent is doing it as well. Even my free agency situation right now, where are the, t- where are the coaches that I've played with right now? I've been in the league for eight years. Mm-hmm. I have coaches in all different teams now. So I get a list together send it to my agent. These are the coaches that I've played for that can vouch for mm-hmm. me and the way I play and the way I go about my business. And then that way you can generate your interest from there. Got you. Got you. Take like a, take a, take a uh, Najee Harris, right? Out of Alabama, mm-hmm. running back, just got drafted <laughs> by the Steelers. He's a, he's a Bay area, a, a local kid from here. Right. Okay. So okay. It's, a, it's a lot of excitement right now surrounding um him. There's another offensive tackle uh, out of, out of the Bay area play that I think it was Bishop O'Dowd. I forget. I, I'm drawing a blank. They're gonna probably be mad at me for not knowing this guy. He's under the radar. You know, the 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 the, the big uglies ain't really that popular. You know what I mean? So you get their name. But take a but take a Najee Harris, right? He just got drafted. Um, and and even though you were undrafted, I'm sure you heard plenty of stories from guys that were you've been around the league your whole life. Um they're calling his name. He has family surrounding him, friends surrounding him. I don't know if he has a girlfriend, probably has a girlfriend there. What What's actually going through their minds at that time that their name's getting called? And what do they have to look forward to? Is it like, boom, the Pittsburgh Steelers have selected Najee Harris with the whatever pick in the draft. Does he wake up in the morning? And people really want to know this. Sound may sound crazy, but if, does he wake up in the morning and now there's like, $20 million sitting in his account. There's <laughs> his uncle and his auntie lined up outside the door saying, I came to one practice uh, 15 years ago. Remember, I used to uh, take you to preschool. Is there like, is he out looking for cars, houses? Like, explain to the listener, like, what you, how does it, what is the process of this? What usually is going through the mind and how are they dealing with family during this time? Yeah. So every situation is different. I will say that every situation mm-hmm. is different. But, if you know, if I if I think about a guy like Najee Harris coming from Alabama, incredible mm-hmm. running back. I can't speak to his family situation, but he probably has already looked at cars you know, before <laughs> the draft. He knows he knows he's a first round pick. So he's probably already looked at cars. He's probably not looking at any houses because he depends on what team. But yeah, there there are probably some situations where people are going to be hitting hitting, hitting him up. You know, I think he should change his number. You know, because people will come out, people people will come out the way work. But you know, when you get drafted, no, nah, that money probably won't hit for you know maybe a month or two because he's a first round pick. So they have to negotiate his contract and how much money he's going to get up front, signing bonus, and this and that. You know, unless you're a guy like Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence will probably sign next week. It'd be like thirty four million dollars. All of it will be guaranteed because he was the number one pick. Najee Harris goes number twenty two. So you know okay. he'll have a couple million. Gotcha. He'll have a couple million dollars in his bank in his bank account probably in the next month, month and a half, depending on how, how fast they get the deal done. But no, there's definitely going to be people hitting them up, asking them, you know, for favors. And, you know, if, if he's, you know, if he does things the right way, he lets people know like, Hey, I've worked my whole life for this mom or whoever's close to him, whoever he wants to take care of, look, this is how we're going to do it. You know, payment plans, installment plans. You just can't give lumps sums of money because taxes, you know, he might get $22 million. If they put $22 yeah. million in your bank account and you and it hits next week, that's $11 million. Yeah. It ain't 22 Taxes is they're getting them taxes. You know? So, <clears throat> you know, everybody can say, oh, he just signed a $100 million deal. If you, if a person signs a $100 million deal, it's 50 It's 50 You Off, <laughs> off the back, you can just cut that in half. Yeah, just cut it in half. <laughs> then you got to take into account the bills. His daily expenses, his living, he's got to put, he's got to invest his money into his body. You have to know how much that is. He's got rent. Mm. He's got car payment. He's got cell phone. He he wants to dress nice. He also needs to celebrate and have a little bit of fun because he's worked 22 yeah. years to get yeah. to this point. So yeah. a lot of things go into play and everybody's, you know, going to be pulling at him, this and that. So you know, hopefully I know he's probably surrounding himself with the right people coming from the Bay Area. You know, I, I love Oakland. Yeah. So, you know, I know he's coming from a good yeah. situation and, and understanding that, you know, I feel yeah. like I'm a, 
a legendary uh I'm a six man for the bay. For sure, for sure, for sure. I'm gonna see if I can find one of your uh, dance videos in, <laughs> in the city. We can add it to the honorary member. I'm gonna I want to ask it, and I want you. I don't want you to say a thing, but I'm gonna ask Alicia a question. Though I just, I really want to get a female perspective on this. What do you hmm. think the percentages are of women that are the girlfriends of draft prospects prior to them being drafted, what do you think the percentages of those relationships actually pan out and turning into long-term uh, situations uh, after they get drafted and, 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 and come into a, a, a boatload of money? What do you, what, 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 what is your take on that? <laughs> I'm curious. Well, I don't know about percentages, but we've seen some funny things over the years. I mean, you want to talk like about, well, Russell Wilson, I think, like, oh, is, is one of the, oh, yes. the notable ones. That's a good one. <laughs> you quick on it. That's a good one. No, definitely one. Um, there was, man, I can't even remember, like, what player it was, but last year, like, a girlfriend, like, tried to steal. Oh, listen, she was yeah. all up in the camera, like, <laughs> making sure that her presence was known, right? Um, yeah. But I don't know. Like, I really don't know. I just think in general – a lot of things happen, like you just said, that you outlined, like after the draft and a lot of situations can change. Um, a lot of pressures happen. Um, a, a lot of people's personalities that weren't there may be coming out and showing themselves after, um, you know, money changes, uh, teams change, status change. Like there's so many changes that I can't even imagine that happen afterwards. And and I was thinking as you were talking, um, do you think going undrafted was was almost a strength in that respect of not having all of those people hitting you up after, you know, being drafted, like those pressures, like not having that. Do you think that that was actually mm. a strength moving forward? Nice transition. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know if it was a strength moving forward just because when you get into the NFL, people still don't know, you know, they just assume that you have money. So mm, no yeah, matter what. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I didn't get my name called, but, I was on an NFL roster for a year, so. Hold up, Beans, Beans, hold up, Beans. Before you finish, are we not going to acknowledge the fact that she just blatantly changed the subject, right, Livio? <laughs> Listen, <laughs> was that? I'm not I, was gonna, gonna, I was actually, I was gonna, actually going to, I was actually going <laughs> to uh, circle back and respond to that. It's probably less than five percent, but I will say that you know, there's a, there is a microscope on these relationships or on these guys and how they handle their relationships when they're super young, but we can't forget that, you know, they're 21, 22. The, right. the person who I was when I was 21 years old is not the person who I am now going into my thirties. Blends, you met me maybe seven years ago. I'm definitely not even close to the same person oh, uh, to who oh I am God. now. No, for sure. So, for sure. And I can, I can, I can attest to that. I, the, you know, the conversations we had the last time you visited, um, just from everything, just on, we talked about working out, you know, I've been in the gym now trying to get right. And you talked to me a little bit about your diet, what you put in your body, just all those things and conversations we weren't having five years ago. You know what I'm saying? And a lot yeah. of that stuff, a lot of that stuff, stuff stuck with me. I think it was me, you and Draymond having them conversations and a lot of that stuck with me, man. So I just noticed the, 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 the natural progression and the maturity, but that's, 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 uh, that's how it's supposed to be, right? The years, yeah, and, years that's, and that's how, that's how it happens. Yeah. And that's how it happens with these guys, with these relationships. Yes. They come into the draft with these girlfriends or fiancés or whatever. They don't really know who they are though. Yeah. Well, and, and I would the, say the, the she doesn't know either, you know, not exactly. to not to interrupt you, but she doesn't know either. But I do think there are still people that have those long term relationships as well. I think there's a mix of both. The percentage is probably lower, but yeah, there's sure. definitely there's definitely. Um, but know, how, much, how much how much how much how much how much strategizing do you think? I mean, you know, the woman's side, female psyche. So what like are, is it is it like are there are they sitting there like uh, <laughs> Like having a personal mind thing going on, saying, "Okay, I want to end up like uh, this, not like this." So these are the strategies that I need to take. These are the things that I need to do to be able to make this to be able to make this work. Or are they just being themselves and just like however the cars fall, they just fall? What, what do you think? It, 
I think it depends on the person. I can't make a blanket statement for all women going into relationships with athletes or whatever the case may be. I mean, like for me in that situation, I would be so proud of him for being drafted. And I would just think about the life that we would build together going forward. You know, it's obviously going to change, but that's just how I would think. Right. I mean, when I think of being in a relationship with someone, I think of building with them and growing and learning and loving together, but I can't speak on every woman going into it. I'm sure that they're things that they're thinking about. I think the same thing the woman is thinking is the same thing the man is thinking. They're both thinking the fairy tale ending and not the actual mm. growth and progression in between. Yeah. The man is thinking the thing he the reason why she's at the draft party is because he's thinking the same thing she is. Yeah. They, they're both the thinking the fairy tale. Yeah, yeah. They're both thinking the same thing at the same time. You're at my yeah. draft party. This is the fairy tale ending. She's thinking that, and so is he. And then life happens. Yeah. Bills happen. Kids happen. Growth happens. You grow apart. You stay together. Just, I think it's totally different, but I don't think there's a, a different psyche in terms of a woman at the draft party than a man. There's a reason why he yeah. invited her to the draft party. Mm. Well, and it could just be that they're in a relationship and it's a moment for both of them. Like, yeah. you know, and I think uh, you could say that for anything, any kind of like milestone in a relationship, like you're continually growing and learning and being different people along the way, no matter what. But that's obviously something that's more public. There's more pressure. There's there's things that happen. But you could say that in any relationship, really, to be honest. So, but but if you but from from your experience, um, beings, does it benefit you? Does from outside looking in as a player, does it work in your benefit um, to have? you know, one in your corner versus having multiple women you're dealing with. You know what I mean? Does it, are you able to, have you noticed a difference between the guys in their focus when they're like, okay, I have a dope family structure at home, you know, maybe a kid or two, um, either I'm married or I'm in a committed relationship compared to the party or is there a difference in that, that that you notice, or is it kind of, you know, is it, is it different situations for different people? different situations i think it just comes down to the principles and the foundation that you have for your life relationship or no relationship are you disciplined or are you not what does this what does football really mean to you because Mm -hmm. if you're in a stable relationship you could just be like you know what family's all that matters to me football don't matter or you could be the partier and party all that all is all that matters and football doesn't matter or football is the first thing you know this is taking care of you and your family and you, you know, party is the second thing or relationship is the second thing. I got um, but so it really just depends on the person and how can they balance life? Just like a CEO or just like an entrepreneur. I think they all come hand in hand. What are the principles and the foundation that you have for your overall life? That's a good point. That's a really good point. Your, uh, your, your, your father was executive at the Ford company for a lot of years. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you grew up pretty okay right yeah so 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 without so going trying to go into the nfl without having that that uh story that they like to publicize of you know i was i was sleeping in the car prior to (laughs) and and you know and we've all had our ups and downs and things but sometimes i think that the media loves those stories they kind of cling on to those so without having that um we with you, what was the what was the motivating you know what was the motivating factor for you to say okay I gotta I still gotta outwork everybody in order to to reach my goals you know what did you what what, what did you was it just you know great parents or father instilling you you know work ethic in you or what was it that actually that drove you to to to, to the success and to where you are today? It was a lot of things that drove me, but yeah, I mean that's the story that we always typically typically hear. It's you know they come from this. I'm sleeping in my car or this is this the only story that that wants to be told is you know that's what America always loves the underdog story I've never seen myself as an underdog even being an undrafted player I know I'm talented I'm confident in who I am as a person but that's why I call my book Silver Spoon the imperfect guide to success because I come from the suburbs but I outwork people from the hood all the time Yeah. yeah so I don't ever I don't I don't care about anything like that. It's the same 24 hours. And that's why Draymond and I have such a, a great relationship. We got all the same principles and foundation. He come from yeah. Saginaw. I come from Bloomville Hills. Yeah. But how do we become friends? How do we both get to the pros? It's the mm-hmm. same thing. It's taking yeah. and maximizing your, your 24 hours. So yes. yes, my dad, my dad was a vice president of Ford Motor Company for I think 12 years, 12 plus years. 
my mom is a lawyer who's actually downstairs right now. Yeah, my mom's a lawyer, but no, I saw my parents get up and go to work every single day and lay the foundation for being disciplined, having goals, setting goals and reaching them, handling adversity, handling success, surrounding yourself with the right people. Mm -hmm. One of the the best lessons and one of the best chapters in my book for the kids who might be listening to this in college or just middle school, high school, you be an athlete to make a million dollars. The richest people, blends that we've ever been around are not mm-hmm. athletes. Yeah, yeah, facts. They're 100% not. facts. I, we, we've been in rooms that people yes. would love to be in. And the athletes don't have the most money in those rooms. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I would like to point that out to people. So, but at the same time, you know, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have, I don't have the typical athlete story, but what I have in me is a foundation that my parents laid and that I will lay, you know, for my kids, my future kids, whenever I do have kids, but it comes down to the same thing that LeBron James talked about. You know, he, <laughs> he talks about, you know, hard work and all the things that he had to overcome. I had to overcome certain things, but you know, it just wasn't, you know, from the hood. Well, you ever, you know, I watched the show, uh, I watched all American a lot and there's this transition between um, Crenshaw. I think that's the school Crenshaw uh, high and, you have the Beverly Hills High. So that whole show is about the dynamic of, 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 of kids that are kind of, you know, kind of well off. Their parents did pretty good from themselves. They kind of grew up in like a, a more of a, a, a structured environment, you know, good off financially. Then you then you hop on the bus and go down to, you know, Crenshaw and everybody, you know, it's a typical story. Everybody's kind of struggling. And I noticed that uh, there is no really in, in the show per, per se, there's no difference in the outcome you know, on, on the field, but they all are going through their own things and they own in their own right. You know, the, the kids from Chris are struggling kids in Beverly Hills. It's just a different type of struggle. Everybody's going through, you know what I'm saying? Different things. Yeah. I mean, I've had people who I've gone to school with mm-hmm. who, you know, parents have a whole bunch of money and these kids get hit on pain pills and taking their mom and dad's prescription pills. It ain't no yeah. different than somebody finding some weed in the hood. Yeah, yeah, real talk. No, it's no different. It might just be, it, you might just, it's just easier to go upstairs to your parents' cabinet and take it. <laughs> that's a very good, that's a very good point. But yeah, what's, yeah that, but what's the difference? You see kids mm-hmm. in these incredible homes, grow up in these incredible homes, you see them OD mm-hmm. and things like that all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you mentioned that you had to overcome, you know, a lot of things. What were some of those things that you had to overcome to get to where you are today? I would say it was a lot of injuries. Um, I broke my collarbone my junior year in high school. And I, when I first got up to Michigan State, I broke my right foot. I didn't play as a freshman, came back, played as a redshirt freshman. And then I broke the same foot the following year. And then I've been benched. I've been. You, you know, actually you actually had you actually had pretty coming off that foot injury. You actually had did pretty well. You actually had pretty good stats uh, uh, following that when, mo- <laughs> when, when most guys could have. Could have folded. You did. You did pretty good. So you, you had to be determined coming off of that injury. Like I got to get back. Well, I mean, you got when you like I said, it comes back to surrounding yourself with the right people. You know, Draymond and I play on the same AAU team. We lived in the same building at Michigan State. So our relationship. We mm-hmm. were actually just talking about that when I was out there the last time about mm-hmm. how our relationship actually developed. When you see somebody like him, he'll bring some of that stuff out of you. Oh man. Like, you know, he's going to push you. Obviously, yeah. you know that blends, you know that he will push you if he sees something in you. So I had no choice, really. You know, I had my brother, who is my hero, who I dedicated my book to. My brother tore his ACL three times mm. before he graduated high school, went on to go to Central Michigan and still break every record, become a three time captain and play professionally overseas. So I could never quit yeah. anything yeah. after watching him go through that. And then you surround yeah. yourself with a guy like Draymond, who is, anno- who is annoyingly checking in on me when I'm at Michigan State <laughs> in between his basketball practices. He comes over to the football building to see if I'm first in sprints because he knows how talented I am. So it's kind of like, all right, you got these people pushing you all the time. So you have no choice but to be great. Yeah. And Beans, and so Beans, it's so uh, what you say, you know, it's so infectious. I've watched like literally just the discipline of just like uh, being around you guys for so long. It just that it, it's kind of bled off. I've watched, you know, we'd be out till, you know, one o'clock in the morning. Right. But then somehow 
six o'clock in the morning, everybody's up in the gym working out, except for me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> everybody, everybody, everybody's up, you know, still like, like, I'll be, I'll be like, how? Like, we just got home. Like, how are, how are they, how are you on a, a Peloton at, at, at five and six a.m. after the night we just had? You know, you know what I'm saying? And, but over time, and I started to see the discipline, the results that guys have got from that, it started to uh, bleed. And, and with that said, I'm like, I'm probably like, it's been probably like eight weeks since I've missed a day of working out in the mornings. Like it's, a, but, uh, but it, that's how, that's why I say it's important. The people that you surround yourself with is very important because these, those things are infectious. How did, how did that Peloton get paid for? How did those private jets get paid for? How did those vacations get paid for? Mm. That's why, that's why right. you're up at 6 a.m. That's why you're yeah, up at yeah. 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 So it don't, it don't really matter if we went out all night. The reason yeah. why we own vacation is because of the work we put in. So you just, you got to do it. It just, you got to put the work to. in. Yeah, you got to go through it to get to it. So at the end of the day, we can live how we want to live. We can party how we want to party because the foundation is already set. If I'm going to go out like this, then I have to do this and this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's more, impre- it's, it's even more impressive when you, you, you know, you, you already pretty well off. Most people, when they get a check, they, put it in neutral or cruise control, whatever uh, uh, analogy you want to use. But it's even more impressive when you actually have the ability to put it in cruise control. If you decide to, I mean, I mean, let's, let's be honest. You can make, you can figure out how to make $10 million and say, okay, boom, I can li- me and my family can live off of this. The rest of, you know what I'm saying? The rest of our life, we can put, we can chill out. I don't have to get up in the morning and work. We can just, wake up, sip coffee, watch TV, go on vacation and hang out. But it's always more impressive when you find that, uh, when it's still burning and you got that desire to get up and work, you know what I mean? And all, and, and strive for more. That's what, that's what I find, you know, is, is even more impressive. Yeah. It comes down to legacy and purpose. It's one of the reasons what I help my clients with, you know, me coaching mm-hmm. small business owners, entrepreneurs, and doing some leadership development work from fortune 50 companies to fortune 500 companies uh-huh. while still playing. But what's the legacy that you want to leave? Yeah. You want to be a guy with just a lot of money or did you impact and inspire millions of people with the way you went mm-hmm. about your business? Or did you just inspire, you know, even if it's just 10 people. But at the end of the day, it's about serving other people. You can yeah. have all the money in the world and be miserable. <laughs> or you can serve and impact That's other it. people and give back. Mm-hmm. That's why our relationships get closer and you see, you know, other people weeding out of our circle and it gets more and more like this. Yeah, yeah. Because blends when I talk to you now and about where we going tonight. You know, it's about how you doing, how's the business going, right. what's up with the podcast, this and that. It's more yes. about the growth. It's more yeah. about the growth and who you and who and who we all want to be. Yes. Absolutely. That's <laughs> but what my question is, not everyone has these amazing environments. Like just currently, right now, there there are people that have a circle that isn't the best. It's not bringing them to their best self. What advice would you give those people? Because not everybody is as blessed to be in the room, um, have worked to be in the rooms that we are in or the circles that we're in. Yeah. So I would say it, it comes to different things, but what I just heard you say, if I had to draw an answer for that, from what you just said, it comes down to choice. Yeah. Nobody's forcing you to be in that circle. Well, correct. But there are also people that are in circumstances that, you know, quite possibly could have just happened from not having like money growing up or not being, you know, there there are certain environments that people are in that they didn't necessarily choose, but they can choose how to get out of them moving forward. And that's the kind of advice that I was looking for is like, how do you do yeah. that? Yeah. So I would say there's, there's certain channels, LinkedIn, creating a LinkedIn profile is free. Creating a a business Instagram account is free, but what's the overall vision for the life? What do you really want to do? What are your strengths? Let's lean on the strengths, but depending on the person, let's lean on those strengths. Now, what could, how can we create a business around this? Or how could we put you in certain rooms? Um, There's so many things. There's so many resources like YouTube. Chances are, the situation or story that you're coming from has happened before and somebody's made something out of it. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get to that point where there are certain things and certain directions you can point yourself in. 
So it really just depends. We have to be resourceful, though. Everybody's got a cell phone yeah. nowadays. Yeah. Got YouTube. You got Google. Let's let's find out a way. What do you actually want to build, though? I've Who literally it, it, and what and what what Bean is is saying. That's a good question, Alicia. What Bean's saying is so true. I could literally remember um, in the neighborhood. I didn't grow up in the best neighborhood, and I literally remember people that uh, a friend of mine that lived directly across the street from me. Um, same situation, uh, single mother, uh, didn't have a whole lot growing up. We both went to Oakland public schools. Um, but I can, I can literally, um, and I always, always felt like our environment was the same. And a lot of times we look at the strength in, um, we, we look at masculinity as the people that do all the wrong things in our neighborhood growing up. But the strength actually came from being in those neighborhoods and being able to not succumb to the to the stuff that was surrounding us. And so I look at what happened. I look at the decisions I made compared to the decisions that they made in the same circumstances. And we're in total two total different places. So I, I it's I, I think it's always um, about choices and it's always in the actual um, individual because based on statistics, the writing was on the wall. I could have ended up like anybody else or any, any of my other friends that didn't end up um, well in the same set of circumstances. But I think it's all in the individual, you know, in a mindset. What are you doing, you know, in that space? Or what type of decisions and choices are, you know, are you making? Do you have the strength to not, you know, succumb to certain things that go around, you know, in the neighborhood? So that was a, that, that was a good point. I do agree with you on that, Beans. Yeah, just sur surrounding yourself with the right people. If you can't surround yourself with the right people, it might be just time to go on that path alone yeah, for a little bit yeah, and yeah. see who you run into and who you bump into. Instead yeah. of going with the crowd, maybe go that opposite way. Who can the you find along? Who, yeah, who can you find along on this lonely path? Remember, remember, Trey, um, remember the movie Boys in the Hood? Trey <laughs> wasn't the most, the, Trey wasn't the most loved, that loved character on there. The, you know, we talked a lot about Doughboy. We talked a lot, you know what I mean? But at the end, you know, Trey got criticized for getting out the car, right? But at the end, Trey was the one that lived. Yeah. You know, everybody <laughs> else, everybody else died. You know what I mean? Everybody else that succumbed, you know, that was that got caught up in everything around him in the environment, they all died. So I think, I, I think, uh, great, great, great point. But I have a question though. I have a question yeah. and I don't want to keep you, we're not going to keep you all day. You you caught the Super Bowl like um, Super Bowl Denver against was that Carolina? I think it was Carolina. Yeah. I played Carolina. Mm -hmm. You played in that Super Bowl. You caught mm -hmm. a two point conversion from Peyton Manning mm -hmm. at the end at the end of that at the end towards the end of that game. How did that feel? What was that like? And what was that Super Bowl experience like? Now, mind you, an undrafted free agent from the from Michigan. What was that that whole experience like to end up in a Super Bowl? Did you think you'd ever end up be there? And like, what was going through your head at the time you made you made that catch? I know outside looking in, we was going crazy. You know, <laughs> we was going nuts. Yeah. But what was that? What was that experience like for you? It was an incredible experience. Number one, just because all of the possibilities within my life became a reality. All that work that I had put in for those twenty-two years finally paid off. And, you know, it was, you know, three, a little under three minutes ago, we had just scored, we up 12, we got a chance to go for one and go and be up 13 or go for two and be up 14, put the game completely out of reach. Mm -hmm. Peyton calls the play. I still haven't caught a pass yet mm -hmm. in the game. And we line up. I feel like the entire stadium can see my heart beating through my chest at this point in time, because I know that I got the favorable matchup and he told me in the huddle that he was going to throw me the ball. Uh -huh. So my eyes are wide open. Like, so. The ball's hiked, I juke the defender, I act like I'm breaking right, break left, and I see the ball in there. And it's as if an infant baby is being thrown towards me, and I sure as hell better <laughs> catch this thing. Okay. I catch the ball, and I get up, I do my <laughs> dance and everything. Uh -huh. And it was just like, man, like, I really caught a pass in the Super Bowl. But it ended up being the final pass of Peyton Manning's career. And that comes back to all that work that I had put in, yeah. being undrafted really stepping outside my comfort zone and going to Denver and, you know, trying to pave my way and really gain the trust of this, of this incredible quarterback mm -hmm. and then to do it in the Bay. And then, yeah. you know, us to go out that night and, 
you know, really celebrated. Draymond's coming off a championship. Then I win a championship. Then he wins another one. It was just like, how is our group? Then Frank wins one. Brandon Graham wins one. Like our whole little group uh, of friends. It's like everybody. That was the mojo. That <laughs> was, was the mojo. It was crazy. But it was all, all the work that I had put in. And it was just, it was a surreal moment. And I feel like the moment hit me on the way back to Denver. Uh-huh. And I'm sitting there, we're passing the trophy around and the trophy gets to me and I'm just hungry, but like, man, because if you go read my draft profile on Google, it says he's uninterested in the game, lacks passion, won't make it. Mm-hmm. And, this oh, guy wow. just caught the, and this guy just caught the last pass of the one, the, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. So, so it goes should we to just, show should you, we just... people can say whatever they want to say about yeah. you. Right. Yeah. You you have the chance to change and write your own story. Mm. I mean, if you take away anything from this, it should be that. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I, I like I say, I remember the play. Um, I remember the play vividly, and I uh like I we every everybody everybody was so proud. I'm positive we had a good time. You know that summer <laughs> when I like I want I want to give go back to um the when you said you were out here, you know, recently, I, one thing I noticed, how the hell did you get so shredded? Like literally, (laughs) like, what are you eating right now, bro? Like literally, like what's good? Like, what are you, what is your week? What is your day-to-day routine? Like right now, it was incredible, bro. Like what's going on? I'm just giving you your flowers (laughs) while you can smell it right now. I appreciate it, bro. My dog, like what's like, what are you putting in your body right now, bro? Right now, Monday through Monday through Friday, I'm plant based, so no meat, okay. no dairy. I'm plant based, but that's also, you know, me. Say that. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> this is the way you ba- this is the way you balance it, though. Okay. Depending on your blood type, I always tell people you don't, you don't gotta go vegan, but my blood type tells me that I should be on a Mediterranean diet and I should be leaning more towards plant based. Mm-hmm. So of course, I still want to have meat and enjoy that. So that's what I'll enjoy on the weekends two days out of seven days out of the week. And that way I can have and eat what I want to on Saturday and Sunday. Monday through Friday, though, is, is strictly plant-based. But I do a lot of things to take care of my gut. A lot of people, a lot of Americans, probably 95% of Americans have leaky gut. We're not supposed to crave things like sugar and carbs and things like that. But that comes from fast food. That comes from all the sugar that we eat. That could come from antibiotics or taking Advil and aspirin, which are things that, you know, we need. And sometimes we just like to live life because we're humans, but there are certain supplements that you can take. Glutamine is one of them that can just help you with the lining of your stomach. So you digest, digest things properly, or you can take digestive enzymes. It's the small little things. People think there's a whole bunch of things for me to take care of my body. It's actually just a couple of small things, but what was that thing yeah. you mentioned? You mentioned something that you took on a daily basis to control the digestive thing. What was that again? Uh, glutamine. So I take glutamine, glutamine. Three, okay. Time, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, three times a day, but that controls your hunger. Uh, and it helps okay. with the ne- neurotransmitters in your brain. We shouldn't be, you don't crave sugar. You shouldn't crave yeah. sugar. And not like a real thing. That's just, you know, but so it's like a Americanized, Yeah, it's like cocaine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's one of the things that, you know, we have to educate even our culture, especially as as black people. Like we have to educate ourselves in terms of living longer. We shouldn't be dying yeah. in our 40s and 50s, not, yeah. not from things that we can prevent with diet yeah. or just eating the right way. And yes, OK, there are certain things, you know, it, it might be a little bit more expensive to eat. But if you buy a glutamine supplement or some digestive enzymes or some small things, you really shouldn't be craving McDonald's or anything, no fast food anyway. And, and yeah. fruit is not that expensive. No, it's not. Alicia, you're a workout warrior yourself and an ex-athlete. Does any of this sound familiar to you or did you just learn something as well? Well, I just learned about, uh, say it again, glue. See, I can't glutamine. even say it. Glutamine. Yeah, I learned glutamine. about that for sure. Um, <laughs> but I definitely know that food can be a drug. It definitely is a drug for a lot of people straight mm-hmm. up. Um, and I can see how I have misused it over the years. So I've learned how to, you know, taper my use of food and do it in the right way and fuel my body, you know, and like my body is a temple. I truly believe that. And so um, I want to treat it the right way. And so I've learned that over the years, but um, I can't say that I work out every day. That's something I'm still working on. 
but <laughs> but I definitely yeah. have uh, used food differently. Yeah. So after learning so, it. So 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 beans, the podcast book. Um, anything else you want to plug? Tell us about the book, the podcast. Anything else you got going on? And let's, let's where where can they where can they find you? What this? What, you know what I mean? Give, give us something. They can find me in the bay. It's like no, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> no, I mean, if people want to reach out to me, they can reach out to me on Instagram. Beans B E A N Z Z sixteen. You know, I I talk to people on there all the time. LinkedIn mm-hmm. is really where I share a lot of my content in terms of the business. I do a Monday mindset uh, motivational video every Monday where I'm just sharing little tips and habits that I've used, but also some of the most incredible athletes and philanthropists and entrepreneurs use. And then my, my podcast is the quiet time podcast. Yeah. And you can find that on Apple and Spotify. And then I'm also an executive and leadership coach, you know, so I, I do that and you know, that's something I enjoy doing, but you know, I'm getting ready to wrap up here. Are you still on club? Are you still on clubhouse? Does clubhouse is clubhouse still happening right now? I, I haven't heard. I, I'm much. not sure. I I'm not. I haven't been on clubhouse. I don't know. You know. I know people were doing it. I was able to do it when it was more of a lockdown, but you know, business has picked up, so I don't know where people actually get the time to just hop on and off of that yeah. thing. Yeah. Right. You know, it's kind of crazy to me. Like, damn, we're are y'all not at work? Yeah. There's a but, new, there's yeah. a new, there, there's a new exciting app called Volver. I'm gonna put you on. It's a, it's a way to listen to podcasts in just like five to ten or even one minute clips. I'm, a, I'm gonna talk to you about it a little. I'm gonna show you a little bit about it. But it's, it's dope. Kind of in contrast to kind of what Clubhouse had. But I haven't, I haven't seen a, a Clubhouse. It, it was circulating on social media a lot. Now I haven't seen it, you know, that often. Yeah. Everybody back outside. Right. Everybody outside. <laughs> Things are open and yeah, they don't yeah. have time for it. Yeah. So now it's time for people to pivot. And now it's time for people to get back to work or do things and get back out and actually start talking to people face to face and eye to eye. It was super yeah. cool doing things over Zoom now, but now where is your communication and how are you handling things now? Because the world is going to go back to normal. It yeah. is. But don't you think that this will still impact the way that we do work. Like there's going to be more accessibility to people now because we do have all these new ways of doing zoom. And I think they were there, but now people know how to use them. Right. And like, even we're doing the podcast right now, like it changes the game of podcasting in my opinion, um, to be able to do it over zoom. Like, how do you think it will impact it moving forward? Yeah, I definitely think there'll be a, a hybrid model to it where, you know, will you see, you'll see people having some events in person and then, you know, some people doing things over Zoom, but I think it's, I'm glad if there's one great thing that did, did come out of it is that we did learn how to use so many different platforms on how to communicate and how to actually get things done. Uh-huh. So, you know, it really just depends. You know, I think for myself being an entrepreneur and what I do, I love the fact that I can use Zoom. You yeah. can actually get so much done throughout the day instead of having to travel from place to place to place and waste so much time in traffic. And, uh, you know, decision fatigue is actually like a real thing. And, uh, you know, towards the end of the day, you don't want to make any more decisions because you've made decisions turning right, turning left, stopping and going, directions, this yeah. and that. So, yeah. yeah I, I love it. I, I'm I'm falling in love with it because traditionally, you know, our podcasts were um, feel on site, filmed on site. And um, the, the, the effort that, you have to put into trying to scheduling to try to get um, five to 10 people in one area at one time. It's not really, it's not that efficient, but zoom actually helps improve that a lot. You know what I mean? So it's new to me. Um, Alicia, which she'll be, she's my co-host going forward. I don't know if I told you that um, uh, beans, but like she'll be joining me every, every week when we do that. And she kind of, you know, talked about the zoom thing a little bit, Ben, which is the producer? He taught. He was. He's always been like a big Zoom. Uh, so I'm just now getting. I'm actually liking it. You know what I mean? I'm in yeah. the comfort of my own. I'm in the comfort of my own crib. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, know, I to you go don't got to go anywhere. Yeah, you don't got to go anywhere, and everything still can turn out and be the same. So no, I'm glad you and Alicia are doing this. And yeah, if you guys ever want to have me back on, you know I'm with it. Yeah, definitely, definitely gonna be be a friend of the show. So, so when, when 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 is that going out, man? We gotta. Uh, I, when, when am I supposed to be in 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 Colorado? That's the end of June, right? Yeah, no, yeah, June tenth. That's my birthday, June tenth. June tenth. Yeah, okay, bet. Have a nice little grand old time. 
Bet, bet, bet. I, and I, I'll talk to you off the record about that. And look, <laughs> yeah. you, got any last, you, got, you got any last words, uh, Alicia, before we let Beans go enjoy what's left of his Sunday? <laughs> no, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but um, I'm inspired by what you're doing. Like, I think it's amazing that you're helping entrepreneurs while you're incredible. still. Yeah, it's incredible. Like, incredible. while you're still doing everything. One of the things you said that I loved was the biggest room in the world is, is room for improvement. And I just think that is so true. We don't talk enough about that. Like we don't talk enough about how we're continually improve, like improving on our journeys and going forward and that kind of thing. And I was just, I was inspired by doing the research on you because obviously I don't know you as well as Brownie does, but, um, and so thank you for doing that. Cause a lot of people wouldn't put, you know, this much effort into helping people, you know, with the things that they've learned. So, you know, that's, that was inspiring to me. So yeah, I appreciate that's, you. That's, thank you. That's thank a, that's amazing. And Beans, look, thank you, man. Appreciate you for coming on. Love you, brother. I'll talk to hey. you real soon. Love you too, my dude. You already know what it is. I appreciate you both. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. You guys enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Brownie, my dog. I love you, bro. And um, I'll talk to you probably after this. Yes, sir. I'll talk to you guys. Bye. All right. Bye. What 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 an amazing conversation! I took a lot from that. That was a that was a that was going to be um one of one of our classic uh, episodes right here. There's a lot of good information in there. A lot of lot. Of hope I I hope this episode really gets out. So like, uh, subscribe. Go to you know uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, Instagram One Against the Grain podcast. It'll be posted there. Uh, it'll be on YouTube. Um, really share, like, review. Give us all your feedback because a lot of this information really needs to get out there. Absolutely. I mean, that conversation transcends sports. It transcends Mm -hmm. being drafted. Like it's applicable to everyday life. Um, And so, you know, I was, I love the conversation and I think it needs to be had more to be honest with you. And you know, what's great about what, what, what we're trying to do here is like, we can sit here and talk um, X's and O's all day. We can sit here and, talk about what goes on in the field or if somebody's going to pan out or like at the end of the day, those things aren't, they're entertaining, but they're not really important. What's really important is what goes on. Like outside of this, the thought process, the, the psyche, the, uh, how, how player, how people are. Deal- and I actually, the, the, the game that we're giving out to the people that are in junior high school right now or in Pop Warner, that information that they're getting, you know what I mean, as they come up and become athletes and get ready to, you know, make uh, make careers or decide if that's the career path they want to take. So I think it's a lot of good information in here that, you know, what we're trying to do. Well, and it's information like this, the things that I think athletes are doing now that they weren't doing before, even talking about, you know, we talked about finances a little bit during that or how -hmm. your life changes or whatever. I think athletes now from middle school and up are thinking about those things early on. And it's amazing how these conversations and, and how these movements really have changed the way that people play sports, consume them, um, use them to their advantage now for things like business and things of that nature. So it's really this lifestyle of sport is a complete change. And I like the movement that it is making and taking. Yeah, I I, I think it is. And it also seems like uh, uh, players are um, learning from uh, the past mistakes of previous of other players. It's starting to sound like they're being more conscious of, of, of their finances, of how they deal with, and I think social media kind of opens the the uh, door for a lot of extra information. You know what I mean? So it's great. It's great that 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 uh, Beans was able to come on, um, give out that extra uh, information, and people can take from that. You know, feed from that, and actually, and we can actually grow and get better. And I think that's what we're about over here at One Against the Grain. You know, podcast. But another before you go, before we go, though, I got to ask a question. This is just based on something that I just ran across. Could you please explain to me what's going on through, on in the mind of Kamala Harris right now? I'm super, I'm I'm super I'm super frustrated. Ben, play the clip for us, please. Senator Tim Scott said last night that America is not a racist country. Do you agree with that? And what do you make of his warning against fighting discrimination with more discrimination? 
I believe that we need to, well, first of all, no, I don't think America is a racist country, but we also do have to speak truth about the history of racism in our country and its, and its existence today. And I, I applaud the president for always having the ability and the courage, frankly, to speak the truth about it. He spoke what we know from the intelligence community. One of the greatest threats to our national security is domestic terrorism manifested by white supremacists. And so these are issues that we must confront. And it doesn't, it does not help to heal our country, to unify us as a people, to ignore the realities of that. And I think the president has been outstanding and a real national leader. I'm super frustrated because I literally, for her to make the statement and to say that America is not a racist country, I think to me was one of the most insane um, things I've heard um, in my, I don't want to say my age, but in my years, (laughs) (laughs) in my decades on the planet, you know what I mean? But come on, like, did you feel the same way I feel about that? Or or did that kind of strike you as odd? Well, I will say this. As a Black woman, I am proud of Kamala Harris and what she has accomplished. Like, the fact that she is Madam Vice President um, is something that I am proud of as a Black woman. However, I am disappointed in her when it comes to this. Yes. Because she knows <laughs> that America is a racist country. She knows. She, she absolutely knows. She's actually said it. Many times, especially throughout the campaign, when she talked about systemic racism, for you to say that there's systemic racism and then to say that our country isn't racist, that's very completely contradictory. And you're also saying that systemic racism is a thing and then trying to deny it in the same breath. Like, you can't do that. Um, As a Black woman who is in the position where she is She absolutely knows that there is systemic racism, as she has said, and she knows that our country is racist because she's had to fight at every point to get there against the systemic racism. So for her to audibly say that because of, you know, politics and trying to appease people, Uh, that's that's not doing it. It is exactly what it was. And for her to do that is very completely disappointing to me very upsetting and it's like what are you doing (laughs) i would i I, I would i would i would i would agree um it's very disappointing i feel like i feel like especially um i think during her campaign and 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 the jury is still early jury's still out i think you know black a lot of black men already felt a certain way um I, I really think she really played on the minds and hearts of black women. And it, and it, and I think this was a, actually a, this was actually a disappointing setback, you know, for her to uh, make, for her to make that statement as educated as she is. Um, uh, it was, was absolutely ridiculous. And like you said, I agree um, just to appease people. That's, that's absolutely what it was about. But. Yeah. And when it comes to racism, like we cannot appease people. Like, I, and, and especially in the position that you're in, you cannot appease no. people. You have to stand up for what you know to be true. And you know, yes. there's yes. nobody that can convince me otherwise yes. that we are a race, like America is a racist country. Like, yeah. and we got to stand on that. We have to, we, we have stand to stand on that. Yeah. And, and especially when you've said so many things to contradict that statement. That are very, I mean, you could look it up right now and find so many different statements. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, I want to be clear, I am not writing off Kamala Harris. Like, I am not, you know, our, I'm not saying that our Madam Vice President is completely, I don't want to say trash, but I'm not saying any of that. But what I'm saying is, is I'm completely disappointed in her for saying yeah. and I, and I, and I And I think, just like you said, you're not writing her off. I think it's a matter of... Uh, not, not a matter of writing someone off, but we have to be mindful about writing people on as well, if that makes sense. So I what I mean, what, what I mean is we have to make let people earn, you know, our, our support and not um, although seeing a person of color in a position like that, that in, a, in itself is big. Um, but at the same time, they we, we really have to continue um, 
to make them earn, you know, our vote and earn their position and not just feel like because of the color of their skin that they're, they, they have our best interests, you know, in mind. And I think more people need to get educated. Uh, I think this country always comes down to race. I think majority um, of, of black people uh, who voted for uh, Obama or Kamala Harris or whoever um, did so because of race. And the majority of the people that voted for Trump did so because of race. I think um, that's always going to be the elephant in the room, you know, and I think, but uh, we, we got to do more research. We got to get more, we, we, we got to be more informed and we got to make um, decisions that are better for us, not based on, you know, um, the, just, just the color of our skin. I mean, that's, that's really how I feel about that. Cause for her to make stand up there and make that uh, statement was insane. Yeah. And when you work for a position like that and have like worked and toiled for a position like that and you know what the truth is, you can put just as much damage in saying the wrong thing as you do the right. Like and you don't want to be that yes. person either. Absolutely. 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 One hundred percent. Well, I look, this was a thank you for today. This was a great uh, yeah. episode. Um, once again, uh, we're going to tell once again, I, I really want to encourage people to um find our podcast wherever you uh um whether you listen to your podcast at um whether that's spotify apple music um uh just so many different places to get this content please follow us like subscribe leave us a review send us a dm tell us what you you know what you think of the um content um shout out to uh blue wire um and everybody involved um dope episode i'm inspired yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm inspired too inspired. i'm inspired and i'm inspired by everybody that has been commenting like thank you yeah. for commenting because this podcast isn't just for us it's not just our voices yeah. it's all of our voices so Facts. thank you for chiming in thank you for rating thank you for subscribing thank you for the support because we can't do this without you so thank you big big facts until next time we out. One against the grain. Brownie blends. Alicia J. See y'all next week. See you next week.